Thank you for listening to Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body. This is episode 14, Gene Johnstone, The Artistry of Social Equity, Act 1, recorded September 15th, 2018 in New York City. Screaming about irrevocability Let's burn some bridges, earn some stitches And fight our own way free Cause the rules don't lie but they don't apply to people like you and me Let's start it up now 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 Now they say it's all decided, all divided, all laid out and the pushcart man with a three-part plan Can't understand what you're shouting about But when the past they plow the lives aloud Are the only roads you can see Just remember who walls were built to fall For old people like you and me Let's start it up now 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 It is 2019 and we took a much-needed break, but teaching artistry is back with a vengeance. And the TA pod squad is raring to go with more guests, conversations, and big old questions. <laughs> How are you doing? You doing good? I missed you all. Uh, so let's start with some, uh, some obvious things around politics, yes? Uh, well... We are in the longest government shutdown in history, and money, money for a wall is the obstacle between the president and Mitch McConnell, McConnell, who has um, diabolically gone back into his shell, and then I think is merging with some sort of plan, I guess, and... Nancy Pelosi and the major the Democratic Democratic majority in the House, uh, who are standing very firmly against the wall. I, I, here's what I don't understand. One, why is there not a very specific bill proposal being made um, with specific data, specific policies, and a better understanding of exactly how much or where you know, what the budget lines will be for the $5.7 million billion. Um, I don't get it. I really don't get it. And what's worse is that you have, or the government has placed 800,000 federal government workers in the middle of this fight. And the uh, president, and um, it seems, I think, the, um, at least the McConnell will put a bill forward that, is supposed to put um, the dreamers in the middle of this. Um, so basically just using people as pawns in this partisan chess game, except it's not a game to people. It's their lives. It's their freaking lives, dude. I, d- I do not understand how it would be. I don't know. Well, I mean, uh, why am I surprised? I guess. Why am I surprised? I don't know because I keep hoping. Is that weird? But 
this tug of war is hurting people, people that I know, I'm sure people that you know. Um, this weekend, I I was on a, a long vacation in the Keys and, you know, went through the airport and TSA workers were, it was a, I would say, a skeleton staff. Um, I myself did not actually experience a lot of delay in that process, but um you could tell that the spirits were low, morale was low. And it wasn't even that like people were angry or anything like that. It was just sort of like, I don't know, you, usually around the security, there's a bit of a buzz. There's somebody yelling, you know, what to do, what not to do. And it wasn't like that. It was very calm. It was very quiet. Um, and it was like, you know, I'm going to do the minimum that I have to do in order to, you know, get through each day. That's what I felt. And I was trying, I personally was trying to be uh, polite and courteous as, as absolutely possible. Um, and my, my friend who was flying from Atlanta said that she had some gift cards that she wanted to share and they weren't able to take them, which is unfortunate. So pawns, pawns, people who have to pay rent, who have bills and other responsibilities, who have no paycheck and looks like they won't have another one in the, in the coming weeks and it's just it's just not right and eventually this entire country could be ground to a halt because people who are on food stamps people who are receiving you know different kinds of programs from the fact that multiple offices and departments are closed and shut down nothing's getting processed so therefore they're not getting what they need um and i don't know where the uproar starts i don't understand what a solve can be but i think it's really um it's really not right (laughs) what's happening here and i and i'm trying not to offer any particular opinion this time around i'm just saying like in the at the end of the day we're hurting people people who actually like pay their taxes and want to just live (laughs) um for something that can be solved without the pawns, without people as pawns, um, or negotiated without this sort of um, high stakes um, playing with people's lives. It's just, it's terrible. So I don't know, but I hope that it gets resolved very, very soon and that the government is able to reopen before we are in a true crisis as a country even though some might say we already are and it's not at the border uh okay other things that are (laughs) have been happening um we just celebrated um martin luther king jr day yesterday and um you know each year there's something new to sort of glean from him and every year and throughout the year um i am in a place where I'm thinking about or I have been talking about um relationships and love and how that can be if that can be the driving force and unfortunately this weekend during the women's march um and other marches that were happening we saw you know different groups clashing and evidence of how hate can hate and fear can manifest um in very, very negative and combative ways, even if nobody's ever thrown a punch. Um, 
And we've got uh, Democrats all in, throwing their hats in the ring, um, starting with Elizabeth Warren um, and Kristen Gillibrand and Julian Castro and Kamala Harris announced on Martin Luther King Day um, at her alma mater. So this is an exciting time. I'm again. I'm, ho- I'm withholding my opinions because I'm. I'm just right now. I'm trying to observe, um, and I'm trying to formulate my opinions with information as opposed to solely opinion. <laughs> um, so that's what I'm. That's where I'm at right now, and I'm. I'm excited to sort of dig in to 2019. We're trying uh, a couple new things in terms of formatting and um, how we're publishing and. We've got some exciting guests coming up in all different parts of our um, of arts and arts education fields. And um, yeah, I'm really excited. So uh, let's get into today's guest. Today's guest is Jean Johnstone, and she is the executive director for Teaching Artists Guild. And if you don't know Teaching Artists Guild, otherwise known as TAG, you're going to learn a lot about it. Um, but you should also check out tag at teachingartistguild.org. Teaching artists is actually plural in this, teachingartistguild.org. And we um, met up this past um, September in 2018, sitting on a rooftop in New York City while we were attending the International Teaching Artists Conference. And in this act, Jean shared her, her background growing up on the West Coast through the beginning of her career in the arts. So here is Jean Johnstone, The Artistry of Social Equity, Act One. Hello, Jean. Hi, Courtney. (laughs) Um, I'm really excited to have this conversation with you. Thank you, as am I. Oh, good. All right, so here's a fun fact. Uh, We are um, sitting on a rooftop we are using a, a very small recording device and we only have one mic. So this is gonna be fun. I'm gonna um, ask you, can you first say your full name and then uh, explain where we are? Mm, my full name is Jean Emery Johnstone and we are on top of the Empire Hotel uh, in a trio of areas with a tiny swimming pool and a million cabanas, and it's virtually empty, and it's muggy, and cloudy, and interesting. <laughs> Did you also say that it's uh, we're across the street from the Lincoln Center? I didn't say that. Yeah, so we the are. Empire Hotel, I think, has been around for a long time. I don't know much about it, but uh, I think it's kind of a staple in New York City, um, overlooking Lincoln Center. Um, so. Why are you in New York City? Because this is not your hometown. Why are you here? Very astute observation. <laughs> um, I'm here in New York City for the International Teaching Artists Conference, the fourth, I believe. Wow. Um, and the first one I've been able to attend. I'm really excited about it. So I got to present yesterday on uh, sustainability in the teaching artist world. Now I'm sitting here talking to you. It's good. I like that you're 
Um, yes, yeah, so the, the International Teaching Arts Conference, this is the fourth one, as I said. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about that. I want to know all about the background where you came from and what you're currently working on and have been for the last few years around the teaching arts field. Um, we announced in August that Teaching Arts Guild and Teaching Arts Street with Courtney J. Bonney are in partnership with each other, which I'm super excited about. Um, we're figuring out what all that means, which is fine, but uh, essentially we're, um, as a podcast, we're really interested in um, partnering up with organizations and entities that are interested in supporting and advocating for teaching arts, and that is exactly what Teaching Arts Guild does. Um, so let's just take a, a, a step back, uh, tell me where you grew up, um, and just over you know the course of growing up into college, how the arts were uh, engaged or how you were engaging in the arts uh, as you're growing up. Oh my gosh, I get to tell my life story. Um, okay, let me begin. <clears throat> um, well, I grew up in Southern California. I grew up in San Diego. And um, I was involved in the arts um, in my public alternative school in San Diego, John Muir School for Humanistic Studies. Um, and I enjoyed it. Um, when I hit high school, it became a real staple of my life. I started working um, more and more in, in uh, the theater and in drama. And um, uh, when I was 15 or 16, I auditioned for um, Planned Parenthood, who had an educational theater company down there, San Diego and Riverside counties. And I got in and I spent a year and a half um, receiving a ton of education and learning how to be a peer mentor and all this kind of stuff. Uh, and we went on tour with our own material on um, health and social issues across the entire region. Uh, it was fantastic. I loved it. I totally loved it. Um, and I had no idea it existed. I had um, been studying uh, Russian literature and language um, in high school, randomly, oh. I know, um, and uh, uh, focusing on that as well as um, theater. And when I found something that really intersected with my burgeoning teenage interests in, in, you know, politics and social issues. I was super keen about it. That's, um, that, that just makes me think about the fact that I have a theater company that creates feminist uh, bent work for mm. 12 and up, and we have a show called The Red Dress. It's about oh, wow. um, the storyline that essentially is a 16 or 17 year old trying to figure out if, they, if she is going to, um, to lose her virginity to her boyfriend and what that means and all the different choices that are in her life. And one of the uh, missions of the organization is to uh, partner with other organizations, uh, mostly after school, around um, doing engagement around, uh, the engagement work around production. And we talked a lot about plan for a parenthood, but we didn't actually take the next step yet. Um, and so that's really hopeful for me to understand <laughs> that that is actually, that there's work to be done or in between, you know, uh, sex education or um, just understanding all the things around the complexities of your body, the complexities yes. of understanding um, what, how to do care for your body, etc. Um, in, in theater. I love that. 
Um, could you actually talk a little bit about that for a second? Um, sure. What was you know one of the what was the curriculum like? What were mm -hmm. some of the groups that you worked with, etc.? Oh gosh, let's see. Um, now we're going really back in time. I have to actually remember details. We won't say how many years ago that was. Let's see. Um, let's see. We had. I want to say we had around 10 to 12 short sketches that schools or universities or hospitals could kind of choose from like a menu and we'd come in and do say five to create an hour-long piece for their particular community. Um, so there were um, topics on you know, bullying, there was um, uh, HIV AIDS, uh, there was uh, uh, sketches about um, different sexually transmitted infections, um, and of course, um, prevention of such. Um, lots on birth control, um, social emotional well-being. Um, gosh, I wish I could remember every single one, but. Yeah, that's a, that's a great um, uh, picture, at least to be able to sort of imagine what that could look like. Um, you said something about social change, you're like doing this work that's been targeted through theater, but that there was um, a social um, development kind of pro uh, bent to the work. Why, what is it for you in terms of social um, change, social justice that's important to you? That's a, a big question, and I'm not even sure how to answer it because it goes so deeply into what I do. I'm not sure where that began or how that starts or where that ends, where the edges of that are. Um, I grew up, fortunately, I think, in a family of teachers and educators who um, involved us in um, a lot of the struggles they were involved with um, in the protests and the marches and um, talked about what was going on in the world a lot um, when we were young and uh, it doesn't leave a person really uh, so so let me that's great I, I can connect to that um, uh, some I think my my family was, was less involved in um, protests necessarily, but they were deeply committed to the, the church. And over time, uh, I, I would say my dad more so than my mom went into activism within the church mm -hmm. community. Um, we're very, uh, uh, I actually think that it, even though there's a lot of um, information actually becoming more and more transparent about abuses of power um, within the Roman Catholic Church, these were, uh, there were a lot of areas that my parents would try and um, focus on in terms of change. Mm -hmm. And I think even though it is um, quite challenging to even talk about or think about, um, these kinds of discussions are necessary. Um, I'm going off the track, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> but I, the reason why I'm saying that is that there was a lot of discussion at home about what it means to be um, any somebody who's engaged in, in citizenship. Yes. Um, politics were a big 
big in my family um, understanding that social programs and social equity was important um, and what that could look like and what it should look like and what to do to, to get there. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, there was a focus a little bit on the church because that's where they grew up, but it, it bled out into other areas. They were both educators as well. So I can connect with a lot of what you're saying. So to break down that big question a little bit, um, maybe what I can start with is, you know, what are some, can you name mm -hmm. a few of your core values that um, either come through your artistry or how you sort of decide to operate or choices that you make in terms of what kind of work you do? Mm. Is that helpful? You'll see when I answer. Right. <laughs> <We'll see. laughs> if it's the right track, you can tell me. Um, or redirect mm -hmm. if necessary. Mm -hmm. Core values that I hold. Boy. I believe in the inherent goodness of human beings. And that circumstances and uh, our environments can be incredibly cruel and challenging, uh, but that each of us has a, a dignity and a core of humanness. I don't know what else to call this. Um, some, some, some kernel of, of um, beauty inside of us that compels me to um, try to create the best situation that I can um, for every human. Um, and that's massive, right? So you pick your areas. But that's where I operate from. Um, I've always felt that way. I don't think that's an unusual way to feel, uh, but I know personally um, nine years ago when I gave birth for the first time, I had the honor to do so twice, um, but when that occurred, uh, something shifted even more deeply in me and I began to look at everyone that I saw and see the child, and that was heartbreaking. That kind of destroyed me. I had to go into a little curled up place for a while and slowly put back on sort of mechanisms to, to, to keep myself safe, um, some armor, uh, but that's what I see when I look at people. I, I, um, I think that it's one of the ways that I think about the kids in all of us is the idea of play. Um, and play can work a lot of different ways, but like intentional play and um, having respect for others, no matter what. Um, you can never fully understand what other people are going through. Right. Um, but somebody who works with tons and thousands and thousands of kids, the, the idea of coming 
towards or approaching a kid from an asset point of view as opposed to a deficit is a huge important piece for me uh, for value that everybody's got something to share and it all, it's all good to put out there yeah um, and so I, I understand the sort of the ooh, if I start looking at people and really understand like oh they're just like a scared this or it's a, a, a sort of traumatized child inside there um, but that can that can be quite overwhelming if you start thinking oh, I'm not going to do so being able to acknowledge right um, but still approach from a place of joy and love yes yeah are, are there other um, core values or tenets that you sort of hold um, for yourself and for the work that you do? <laughs> Let's go with two. <laughs> she checks her watch. Um, um, hmm. That's, I, I gotta, I gotta do prep work on this. Like, I gotta narrow down the list. Yeah, I, I snuck that one up on you, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> While you're thinking, I'm going to tell you what I see. <laughs> okay, keep thinking. But I, I, I haven't known you for a great deal of time. I would say maybe five, four or five years. Um, and I don't work as closely with you, which I'm excited about this partnership and seeing where it can go. But what I see is um, somebody who, um, much like where I, I'm interested in the liminal spaces. You said my favorite word. Yeah. Oh my God. Tell me more. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I just, I, as, a, as a theater person, um, I find the magic in the liminal space. And um, uh, so, much of, um, so much of my training uh, in different traditions and studies um, from theater traditions around the world has to do with um, creating that space and also arriving uh, as an actor uh, in presence uh, in response to others through that space, through that receptiveness, through the pause and then the response. And um, that's kind of where I find religion because otherwise I'm don't have that. <laughs> yeah. Did you have a chance to think of other things? Well, I'll uh, to, to go off of that. Just the to me, you know, we're here for the International Teaching Arts Conference, but off, what I love about this field are probably still the things that also are quite challenging about the field. Mm -hmm. That there isn't one track, there isn't one way of doing this work, there isn't one way of. Um, being in the field or there's tons of different kinds of models um, and, and you know name it the uh, nomenclature <laughs> etc <laughs> but what I see at least through your work at teaching our skills is you trying to um, you find those spaces and name them and help others to name them which I think is a scare can be a scary thing and there's no status quo right right yeah. and there's there's um an aspiration that is necessary for that naming and pointing out it, mm -hmm. acknowledging and then saying well this is something that is 
awesome. We should be doing more of that or celebrating that, whatever that is. And here is a real challenge and we should be addressing that. Mm -hmm. And what, is, what does it look like to address that? Is, mm -hmm. is that fair to say? I think that's fair to say. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, something that came up in the conference a lot yesterday was this, um, uh, what, are teaching, what do teaching artists do? One of the many things was um, be down to hang out in ambiguity. I think there was a, a, a more professional way to say that, but that we are good with ambiguous situations uh, and responding uh, within those, living with the unknown, right? So getting back a little bit to that liminal space. Um, but uh, my process of becoming a teaching artist was very much through um, uh, figuring it out in the same way. Uh, I didn't know this was a thing. Nobody said, oh, here's an option, or look, you're looking at, at uh, tracks at school, at university, here's one. Um, even with the experiences I had starting early, right, with, with Planned Parenthood and educational theater, I really didn't understand um, that this was that this was a thing, that there was a there, that, that this could be a career. Um, and it's been a process of, of figuring out what that was, what that could look like. Um, it's, been fun. it's been interesting. But that got me to Teaching Artist Guild. That, uh, right, so prior to Teaching Artist Guild, though, you, you worked as a teaching artist. So what kind of different um, jobs did you have that were really meaningful to you? Hmm. I bounced around a lot. I studied, um, I think I mentioned I studied uh, Russian literature for a while. I got, uh, I carried that on into um, university and um, was able to go um, to the Moscow Art Theater and do the, the program abroad there. At this point, two things happened. We were asked by the staff to move to a different spot since the area we were sitting in was actually closed. <laughs> and two, in that transition and reset up, I realized that I had the recording on the wrong setting. This indie host will get it right at some point. Anyway, once we settled, I asked Jean, what did she do before becoming executive director of TAG? Okay, so um, the Reader's Digest version, Jean's history in teaching artistry, go. Um, uh, so... Planned Parenthood was pretty damn formative. Um, that was fantastic. I loved that. And then I got into university and started studying the classics, right? I was um, continuing the Russians. I was Chekhov, Shakespeare, the whole thing. Um, and throughout that, um, kind of living internally going, wow, I love this stuff. I love this stuff so much, but I can't find the space for this other thing I love, which this is sort of... Um, uh, collective collaboration, um, uh, kind of more applied theater, um, uh, education uh, within this world of sort of, you know, the classics and whatnot. Um, so I struggled with that and went back and forth a lot. Um, one of my classes um, required us to go out, it was actually a dance class, to go out. Tandy Beale, I don't know if you guys know Tandy Beale, she's an incredible um, uh, dancer and uh, circus artist on the West Coast. Um, 
she was one of my professors and um, she had us all go out to a school. She connected us and we, we needed to go in and volunteer. Um, people complained so bitterly about that. Oh my goodness. Other students did not want to have anything to do with that. And um, I loved it. I really loved it. But I always felt at odds um, as though, uh, and I, I don't know that anybody really said this directly, but the sense I got was that if I was going to be a professional actor or director, that my life in um, education really was considered outside of that, that that was just not on par with uh, some kind of desire to, to you know, be a, be a professional actor uh, or professional in the field of the theater. Uh, and that just rubbed me the wrong way. Um, so I spent some time trying to figure out, like, how do I how do I do this? What does this mean? And I got to go to Moscow and study there. And um, that was fantastic and came back. And and uh, I got to uh, be part of a theater company in San Francisco with um, some old friends from college. Uh, and we um, staged political burlesque craziness for for a few years. That was fantastic. Um, and uh, then dispersed. Um, people, you know, hit their late 20s and kind of either went back to grad school or got, you know, jobs on films or, you know, sort of next stages of life were happening. And um, I got a job teaching in uh, China. I was hired to teach drama. Um, I'm leaving some pieces out, but 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 for the arc, I got I got hired to uh, to teach theater in Hong Kong um, to young people, and so um, I was a newlywed at that point. Um, we had been married for six months, and we up and uh, moved to Hong Kong. Um, I, I studied Russian language. Uh, my husband had French and Italian, smattering of Spanish between us. No, no. No, no language, no, no idea, but just a desire to to kind of discover the next thing, and and uh, off we went. So I spent three years there, working in classrooms and working with teachers um, to bring um, uh, drama, theater, sort of integrated learning uh, technique into classrooms. Um, it was fantastic, incredible learning experience. Uh, learned a lot about myself as a professional there. Um, and about other traditions, and um, then we came back to a financial crash. We were so excited. Obama had just been elected. We'd been overseas for three years at that point. We had a newborn child, two rescued dogs, and a few suitcases, and we thought, all right, let's go back. And... Uh, landed smack in the middle of the financial crisis back in California and just struggled, struggled. Oh my gosh, I need some theme music here. It was <laughs> terrible, oh God. Um, somewhere in there, I uh, because I had nothing else to do and suddenly no one was hiring anybody for anything and I had an infant, um, I thought, well, it's a great time to form my own company. <laughs> As, one <does. laughs> As one does when there's nothing left else to do. Um, 
and I, I reached out to a lot of my uh, peers from uh, that I met in in uh, in Hong Kong. Uh, who were teaching artists and applied theater practitioners from all over the world and said, what are you guys doing? Let's uh, let's start a company. So we did. We founded an applied theater um, called the Applied Theater Action Institute, and we um, devised pieces with young people based on topics that were important to them. Um, but we did it in partnership with another city in the world, um, and we used digital media to connect the groups of young people, and they would sort of pass back material and work off of each other's. Um, and it was so much fun. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Uh, somewhere in there, I met the tag crew in uh, Oakland, California. Uh, and they, and they, they, I guess I kept coming to their meetings. I kept showing up. And at this point, I had a second newborn. Um, and and uh, she was probably like two months old when I went out and uh, went to one of their meetings with her in tow and kind of was like, I, I hope this is cool because I'm, I'm, I'm bringing this little thing along, this little creature. And I kept showing up. I was a bit of a gadfly, perhaps. And they said, hey, join our, join our advisory board. Why don't you? Because you, you, you have so many ideas, clearly. And so I did. And then finally, you know. Yeah. So, so I, this is good because I did not understand that you didn't start TAG. Oh, so can you tell us, uh, okay, so you just started showing up and then they were like, this person keeps showing up, why don't we just get them on our advisory board? But can you just talk about the evolution of Teaching Artists Guild? I'll tell you the history as best I know it of Teaching Artists Guild. Um, so I came on in um, 2012, 2013, I guess it would have been. Um, and uh, at that point it was a group of uh, Bay Area teaching artists and um, uh, arts education uh, people uh, who'd, who'd been um, working together for several years. I, 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 like, I have a hard time putting a starting date on it, um, as do they. We sort of go, okay, I think, it's, I think it's been about 10 years now, but because it started as a loose coalition and a collective, at what point did it really get formalized? How long was it going on before that? It's a little, it's a little muddled, but it had been evolving as a group for some time, and at that point had um, uh, an advisory board. A, uh, I think like a, a one or two part-time people kind of handling things, um, and uh, it was a Bay Area local coalition at that point. Um, they had started um, a statewide group and gotten some money to fund that. So that broke off and kind of became its own thing for the state of California. It was a teaching artist support collaborative. Um, and it was kind of an interesting moment when I appeared because that had just broken off. And uh, there was some identity shifting going on, trying to figure out what this was and what it should be. Um, some of those members, Miko um, Lee and Lynn Johnson, we're attending uh, national uh, guild meetings and, and conferences and uh, getting to, to go about and meet practitioners across the United States and saw a gap um, between networks that there were these, you know, cities or regions that might have a strong kind of bastion of teaching artists and some, some um, um, 
you know, organizations or, or some kind of supporting structures for them in some places, but most didn't. And most of those networks weren't really connected to each other. Uh, and they thought, ah, maybe this is a, this is someplace we should step into. Um, it looks like there's a gap there. Why don't we try to fill this? Uh, so they did. And uh, right at that time, um, they'd received some, some funding to do a, um, a study on um, teaching artists um, and their lives, how much money they were making, what else they did, how they survived, all of these really interesting questions um, to try to kind of get at how we could best serve people. Um, and uh, around that time, they decided they needed an actual um, executive director, director of some sort um, to lead the project. And uh, I raised my hand and, and thankfully they took me on. Thank you for listening to episode 14, act one of Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body, Jean Johnstone, The Artistry of Social Equity. Join us next time for act two, Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body is edited and produced by Ben Weber. Christopher Totten is the creative content manager. John L. Waldman wrote and performed the theme song. Tim Palin designed the logo. Visit us at www.teachingartistry.org. Follow us on Twitter at TA underscore artistry. And now on Instagram at Teaching Artistry with CJB. Like our page on Facebook. Listen to us on SoundCloud, subscribe and rate us on iTunes, and be sure to share this podcast with all the teaching artists in your life. Let's start it up now. Let's start it up now. Let's start it up now. Let's